God, we're not. We're talking about football. I'm just kidding. We are. Um, we're excited you're here. Today's Find Your Fit, um, and, and so the title of my talk, if I can jump right in, if that's okay with you guys, um, is Find Your Fit So You Don't Quit. Find Your Fit So You Don't Quit. Yes, we plan things here at Free Chapel. I planned my message around what we were doing this weekend. Isn't that amazing? Come on. Hey, come on. God's good. Find Your Fit So You Don't Quit. We're going to turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And it says this, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap, and if, if we do not give up. I like another verse that says, if we do not quit. It says, do not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up, if we don't quit. So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, not just the people you like, but everybody, and especially to those who are in the household of faith especially those who are in the house. Let's do good to everyone. You get the opportunity to do that. Not, not, not the, you know, you don't, not that, it's not obligated, you know, you don't have to do it. You know, it's not just out of, oh, I have to. No, you, it's an opportunity. You get to do it. You get to love on people. You get to encourage people. Um, growing up with my dad was challenging at times. Um, I'm gonna be honest. He's awesome. Loves Jesus. He's a pastor. But why it was challenging, because um, he has these certain habits that he does. You know, maybe you're this way as a parent. Or not, I don't know. But he would always find songs that he liked to listen to. But they were from like 10 years past when they were good. You know, you ever listen to like a good song and then someone comes to you like a month later, oh, you've got to hear this song. It's like, yeah, it's been out for a while. Like, they're like acting like it's brand new. This is how my dad was, right? So he had a green Jetta back when I was in kindergarten and he would listen to this one song. Not for a day, not for, you know, for a week, but for a solid month. We listened to the same song over and over, and it was a cassette tape back then. So you actually, it took work to rewind it back to the, you know, beginning of the song. Like, you know, and, and it was the song, you gotta be strong, you gotta be good, you gotta be wiser. And my dad's like playing it over and over and over again. Like, we get it, dad, you love this song. And, and so, you know, another thing, one time we were in Florida, and my mom loves to, to, to get deals. How many ladies right here, or men, I don't care, you can be a man too, you like to get deals, you know, you're a deal hunter. Yeah, my mom's like you, and so, we have three boys. I'm the youngest of three boys. And so she was finding a deal with the rental car. Like, I, I, if you're going to spend money with a family of five, do it on the rental car, okay? Like, we know that you can downgrade to the lower size, but comfort is actually, like, desired, okay? So my mom got the PT Cruiser because it was the cheapest one. So three growing boys. I know we're not that tall, but, you know, we were growing at the time. And we're sitting in the back seat. I'm in the middle. My brothers are elbowing me in the ribs um, the whole two weeks. And, and we stopped at a place called Cracker Barrel. How many of you ever heard of Cracker Barrel? All right. We've got some safe people, okay? Everyone else in Orange County is like, you guys are disgusting, you know? Whatever, okay? It, it you know, I told the other, you know, the other service, it's like, it's not the food is good at Cracker Barrel because it's not. Like, you think it's going to be good. You're like, oh, I can't wait to go to Cracker Barrel. Yeah. Like, every time I go to Georgia, I'm like, we're going to Cracker Barrel right now. And it's like I got a cement truck and put it in my stomach. I'm like, why did I do that? I can't breathe after eating that, you know. But the best part of Cracker Barrel is like the nostalgia, the country store, you know. You're playing the big checkers with each other. And my dad um, loves Cracker Barrel. And while we're at Cracker Barrel, he finds a CD, and it's Winona Judd's Greatest Hits. Yeah, if you don't know who Winona Judd is, like, look her up. Country singer, okay? Not a country fan. She had two CDs. Like, it was 25 tracks, I think. And uh, he decided just to listen to one, one track, for two weeks. 
on repeat in the PT Cruiser while I'm getting elbowed in the ribs. So welcome to my life, okay? So the song is, I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to feel what love is. It's like, what are we listening to? Like, I don't, I don't want to know anything about that, you know? But over and over again, it's like, Dad, this song is like 20 years old, you know? No, guys, it's so good. Listen to this part. We've heard it, you know? And then it got to a point, it was so bad, he would just listen to the beginning. Because she would say, like, I want to thank things with, like, a country. He's like, listen how she says it. It's like Southern. I love it. He's from Louisiana. I'm like, Dad. You're a weirdo. <laughs> like, I'm like thinking this, like, you know what? I've been healed, but this is how I grew up. So if I'm weird, look at it, all right? But it's funny, he would listen to these songs because it would like bring memories up of the time he first heard this Winona Judd song. It's like, it's like this nostalgia. While we suffered, he was like, this is awesome. Like the song wasn't even that good. Like, you know, he, he does that still to this day. He'll bring up, oh, have you heard this song? I'm like, dad, that's 10 years old. Like, but but he would listen to him because it brought something up. It wasn't a good thing. I, you know, it wasn't that great of a song. But because he had something connected to it and something he used to listen to, and something he used to do, he likes to repeat it because it was almost just something that was comfortable. He almost doesn't like to find new things because he's a creature of habit, which we all can be. What's interesting is in Galatians, Paul is writing this letter to, to people, and it's actually his harshest epistle. Because he starts out the letter and he says, how quickly have you fallen for another gospel? He, he doesn't even like ease him into it. Like he's not like, hey guys, you're awesome. No, he's like, hey, how quickly have you fallen for this other gospel? And the other gospel he's talking about is this. There was this group in the church who's beginning to bring in this belief system that, that, that they still had to do the old things they used to do in order to be saved. So yes, it was Jesus, but it was Jesus and the ceremonial law and the sacrifices and the circumcision and all of these things. If you can do these things and Jesus, you'll be saved. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus and just Jesus, and that's how you get saved. So they're trying to add to this gospel. So he's beginning to say, why are you going back to things that maybe you're comfortable with, but they weren't beneficial to you? They weren't good. It's just nostalgia. You just know it. You just know the rituals. You know the routines. You know the ceremonies. You know what time to go to, you know, to the synagogue. You know what time to do the sacrifice and when all of these things. But that's not what the gospel is. You are going back to what God already set you free from. You're going back to your old way of living, your old way of trying to approach God. And that's, that's not how it works. And so now for six chapters, Paul is on this journey with this church trying to get them back realigned to living the gospel which is Jesus and just Jesus. And in chapters five and six, he's finally finishing and he's bringing the end of his sermon. This is like the favorite part of everybody in church is when the pastor says, I am finishing, right? This is what he's saying in chapters five and six. He's like, I am landing the plane. And everyone in Galatia is like, thank God, right? So he's finishing up and he's giving them the practical application to everything he just said. Chapters 5 and 6 is the practical application to how do we stay away from living this other gospel and how do we live out the gospel of what God has called us to live. In chapter 5, we see that he talks about the fruits of the flesh and the fruits of the spirit. And whatever you're rooted in is the fruits that are going to be produced in your life. And so if we want to know where we're rooted in, let's look at the fruits. Let's see what, what is being produced in our life. And he's talking about that in Galatians 5. Then he gets to Galatians 6 and he begins to make this transition and he begins to talk about the 
the community of God and the role of the community of God in our life. And he finishes with verse 9 and 10. He says, don't grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap the harvest if you don't give up or you don't quit. To give up in the Greek, it says to lose one's motivation to accomplish a valid goal. Paul specifically finishes this section on living in the spirit and how to play our part in the community of God. And it's important that he says you don't quit. Because I think what Paul is saying is sometimes we quit too easily on God's community. Sometimes we quit too easy. And I think that if it's easy for you to quit in community, then you're just partaking and you're just participating in ceremony, not community. If it's easy to quit, we're just attending ceremony. We're just attending religion. Because community should not be easy to quit. Community should not be easy to give up on. But he's saying, don't give up on this thing that God created for you. See, this right here to your right and to your left, look to your right and look to your left, that's the community of God. You maybe not have met this person at all. Get to know them. They're in your family. They're in your community because this is the community of God. This is what God has set up. And if it's easy just to quit on God's community, then maybe it's just ceremony in the first place. Maybe it's just something that we do. But that's not what God has set up this community for. It was never for ceremony. It was never just for religion. It was for the community of God. And there's a purpose behind it. And Paul uses chapter 6 talking about how do we find our fit in the community of God. Because I think one of the greatest attacks of the enemy is that the enemy tries to tell you you don't fit in. So you get into the community of God. I just, ooh, I don't dress like them. I don't talk like them. I don't look like them. I just don't fit in. I don't fit in. Yeah, I'll just go to church, but I can't get involved because I don't, I, just, I don't fit in. The enemy wants to attack and tell you you don't fit in. He doesn't want you to fit in the community of God because he understands that, that it's the community of God that is the very thing that helps you not give up. It says, it says, don't grow weary in doing good, right? So you don't give up, so you don't quit. Have you ever felt like quitting? Have you ever felt like throwing in the towel? Have you ever felt like I'm done with all of this? It's the very community of God that surrounds you in the moments that you're ready to throw in the towel. It says, don't give up yet. We're here with you. We got this. But the enemy wants you to feel like you don't fit, so then when it's time to quit, you just quit. He's saying, I, I, I don't know if I fit. So there's some things that we have to quit in order for us to realize that we fit. So if we want to find our fit, there is some things that we actually have to quit. There's some things that if we don't quit these things, we will always feel like we are on the outside looking in, and that's the enemy, not God. God has never made you an outsider. In fact, he brought you and made you an insider. He said that there is no longer Jew or Gentile, that we are all together. There's no longer slave nor free, man or woman. We are together, the body of Christ. So you are an insider on what God is doing. When you accept God as your Savior, God says, I have brought you in on the inside. Come on, let's go. We are insiders to God, and he's saying, quit trying to make yourself an outsider because you don't want to be in the community of God. God. So there's some things we got to quit if we want to find our fit. There's going to be some things that we got to quit if we want to find our fit. Number one is this. We got to quit walking alone. We got to quit walking alone. It says in Galatians 6, 1, 2, it says, brothers, if anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore them in a spirit of gentleness. To show your spiritual maturity is not to be harsh on someone and give them biblical knowledge. This scripture shows if you are spiritually mature, you restore people in gentleness. Is that the picture of our spiritual maturity? Are we harsh? Are we bringing knowledge? Are we saying, hey, let me, let me show you where you missed it and let's keep on going. That's spiritual maturity is you bring them in gentleness. Keep watch on oneself lest you too be tempted. 
bear one another's burdens so that you can fulfill the law of Christ. I thought we were under grace. There is no more law. No, no, there is. Now, it's different. It's been fulfilled. It's been, it's been elevated. But it says right here that you can fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is this. Paul was talking about no longer the required of the laws of maybe the ceremonies or the things. But if you've been transformed by, by a relationship with Jesus, you have new obligations in which you have now been called to live. God says you have been transformed, and now I am saying I am requiring something different of you because I have given you a new spirit. When God says the old is gone, the new has come, he's saying I have killed your sin nature. I have given you a new nature in me. Now there is a new expectation that there's gonna be a lifestyle that, that, that begins to change, and I am putting some new obligations on your life. It, you know, If you do these things or you don't do these things, that's not what salvation comes from. Salvation comes from faith in me, but I am saying once you put your faith in me, I've got something for you. It's not just free living now. Woo! Grace, come on. Praise him. Last night was good. Grace, good thing I'm in church, huh? Come on. Yeah, grace is good, but that's not the law of Jesus. Understand this, Galatians 5, 13 through 14. It says, for you who were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word or one statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. See this in Romans 8, verse 2. It says, for the law of spirit and life has set you free in Christ, Jesus, from the law of sin and death. In verse 10, it says, but if Christ is in you, although in the body is dead because of, the, because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So when we have been set free and someone falls in our community and someone slips up, our response is not rejection and judgment, it's restoration and life. That's our response. When someone makes a mistake in our family, it's not to reject them and to judge them, and it's not our place to push them down. It's actually our place to say, let me bring you back into alignment with God and give you life again. Let me pour life into you because it says, lest you be tempted yourself, there's gonna be a moment where you're facing this temptation and you're gonna need someone not to bring judgment, but you're gonna need someone to bring life, which is the spirit of God. Say, come on, let's do this together. And so when it says bear each other's burdens, what does that mean? It says the griefs, the oppression, the weight of life, the temptations, the failures. See, this would be the same as when Jesus said to them, when they ask you to go one mile, you go two miles. Because in this day and age, there was a law where the Romans could go up to them and say, hey, carry my stuff for a mile. You have to carry all the weight, everything. I need you to carry it for a mile. And Jesus said to them, when they ask you to go a mile, you don't just go a mile, you go two miles. You go the extra mile. Are we helping someone bear the weight of life? Grief is a real thing. Maybe someone's lost something. Are we helping them? Are we coming alongside them and say, hey, let me not just carry that for a mile. Let me carry it for two. Hey, how can I help bear your burdens? You feeling temptation? How can I help? How can I be here? How can I set up boundaries? Let, let, me, let me be accountable. Let me bear that. Let me carry that because when I'm struggling, I know I'm going to need you. So let's carry. I'll, I'm not going to carry it a mile. I'm going to carry it too. This is what community is. It's saying, hey, I'm not looking to just be here alone and do this. I got to be strong. This whole concept of we just got to be stronger is not what God set up. God did not set for your self-righteousness to set you free. He said Jesus to set you free and he gave you a community and help you to stay free and say, hey, let's do this together. Let's walk it out together. You don't need to do this alone. God has given you a lot of people. He's saying, hey, I'm going to help you bear your burdens. And if you're in the moment right now that you don't have a burden that you are bearing, find someone that you can help bear their burdens. Woo! 
I mean, we all have burdens, we all have griefs, we all have temptations, we all have fears, we all have something, but if you're in a moment you're going good with God, then that's your moment to go help somebody who maybe isn't. Hey, let me bring you alongside me, man. I, I got you. So you have to understand this. Community will cure. Isolation will intensify. Whatever you're feeling, isolation will just intensify what you're feeling. Just make it worse. It's just gonna, it's just gonna perpetuate. It's gonna, it's gonna grow. But community begins to cure what you're walking through. It says that in James, that when you confess one to another, there's healing. It's restoration. We need to begin to bear someone's burdens. We need to begin to walk not only you know, alongside people, but with people. Hey, can I make you a meal? Maybe you have the gift of, of service. I love this in Romans in the message. It says, we need to be inventive in our hospitality. We need to become inventive in our hospitality. We need to look for ways that we can serve people. We need to look for ways that we can give to people. We need to look for ways that we can bear somebody's burdens. Number one is don't walk alone. Number two, quit comparing your callings. Quit comparing your callings. These are things that we've got to quit if we want to be able to, to walk in the community of God. We've got to quit comparing our callings. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. Then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Paul deals with two types of people in community that are comparing in two different ways. The first one is a person who thinks too much of themselves. So don't think too much of yourself, all right? It's not about you. This is the person in community who finds the people in community that maybe don't challenge them. And they surround themselves with people that are that, that are further behind, and they're like, hey, let me help you out. I'm pretty spiritual. I've got it together. Yeah, you know, I'm a leader. I can't really mess with these guys because they just don't get it. You're always looking and comparing and saying, yeah, they don't, they, don't, they, don't, they don't know what I have to offer. I'm really, really good at what I do, and they don't recognize it. That's comparing. So you feel like you don't fit because you're looking and saying, they don't recognize my gift, they don't recognize my talent, they don't recognize how, how much I have to offer, how good I am, they don't recognize how good looking I am, they don't recognize my style, they don't recognize my voice. I've been singing on the second row as loud as I possibly can because I want somebody to recognize that I need to be leading this thing, all right? Like, does this preacher even know I can preach better than him? Some of y'all are like, mm, this is yesterday's revelation, I got this yesterday, right? See, this is comparing. That's what it is. And if it is, guess what? Leftovers, hello, come on, right? But we in this place, and that he's dealing with this person first. Do you think too much of yourself? You're not gonna be able to fit in community because you're constantly gonna be comparing about how, mm, I'm kind of above everyone here. I don't know if this is gonna work. And then you don't surround yourself with accountability with people who are gonna challenge you because it's actually insecurity and why you're comparing that way. And you don't want someone to say, hey, actually, this is an area you can grow in. So they find themselves people that, that don't challenge them, communities that don't challenge them. That's not the community of God. Everyone needs to be having accountability. Everyone needs to be bearing each other's burdens. Everyone needs to be working with each other. The second person, it's not that they think too much of themselves, but it's that they think too little. They think too little. See, it almost like he changes his tone, right? He says, hey, that you can, you know, you're not gonna boast in yourself, but then he says, now you need to boast in yourself. You're like, what is this guy saying? Have you ever read that in the Bible? You're like, I don't think they translated that right. <laughs> like, that doesn't make sense, okay? No, but what he's saying is this. Some of you actually need to play your part. So some of us, false humility say, 
you know, if God wants me to do it, if he wants me to serve, I will. You know, if God wants me to, but I don't know, I think they've got it covered. You know, I don't know if I can offer anything at Free Chapel. They've got like cool lights and LED screen. And I just don't know. No, what he's saying is what you need to do is play your part in community. We need you. It's not a, hey, we want you. This is not a ploy or a beg for you to serve in church. This is us saying, hey, let's do what God has called us to do, and let's give what we have, whether it feels like it's little or not, and give it to the community of God. So we need to stop looking around and saying, oh, they, they don't need me. No, we need you. We need what you have to offer. Whether you feel like it's big or small, there is no such thing as superstars in the kingdom of God. There's no such thing. This is a, a conjured up idea that we think that it's, oh, this person is a super, oh, they got to come. No, we need everybody. This is a fight. This is something that's eternal. It's not just a ceremony, but we are fighting for the very souls of people in our community. And what we need is people to step up and say, I'm going to play my part. In the Bible, it is described as the body of Christ. And if some part of our body was not functioning right, we would go to the doctor and get it fixed. So I'm going to tell you right now, there's a prescription for some of you that God is waiting for you to start working in the body of Christ because we need what you have to offer. We, the body needs you. First Corinthians, it says, well, what if it's an eye? He's like, I wish I was an ear. Well, then you can't see. Everyone has a part to play. We need you. We, we got to stop staying on the outside saying, I don't think they need me. No, we need you. Let's, let's give what we have to offer. We begin to look at this and say, I, I've got to play my part. When it says this, it says that, that, that you bear each other's burdens, but for every person, they're, they're responsible to do their own. What he's not saying, he's not, he's not contradicting himself. He's actually complimenting what he said before. So bearing each other's burdens and then carrying your own load is, is actually two different words in the Greek. The burdens was the, Greek, the grief, the weight of life, but the load is, is a soldier's pack and what you need to succeed. It's the same phrase in which Jesus said, my burden is easy, my yoke is light. So this load that you're carrying is not going to be something that weighs you down, but you do need to feel the weight of what you're doing. See, community, we need to feel the weight of what we're doing. Sometimes we miss it. Guys, we, what we're doing is eternal. There is a heaven. There is a hell. And if we don't reach people, they could be going there. I'm not like, I know this isn't like, oh, wow, that's so encouraging. No, this is real. Jesus taught more about hell than he did heaven. And we've got to understand why, because he did not want people to go there. But we've got to play our part in community and feel that the burden a bit and say, you know what? I'm in. It may, feel, it, may, it may be a little bit, but I, I can give you something. I can serve somewhere. Man, I can serve with the teenagers. I can serve with the kids. I can greet. I can do, I can do ushering. I can pick up chairs. I can, I can clean the bathrooms. I can do a divine group. I can, I can be in a small group. What do you need me to do? I just want to get involved because I want to be involved with what's eternal. And what's eternal is reaching souls for Jesus. It's not about making money. It's not about getting notoriety. But it's seeing people saved for God. And we have a community that believes in the purpose of God and he's saying God has called you to something great but you've got to do what you're called to do God will find someone to fill it Moses is like I can't speak he's like cool I got Aaron but God wanted Moses to speak he wants you to speak he wants you to do your part see God is not about forcing doors open it's about having the faith to step through them when he opens them sometimes it's scary 
Sometimes you, you feel like you don't have anything to offer, but God's saying, just, can you trust me a little bit? I know you've been hurt by church before, but don't let that stop you from, from finding your fit in this community because it's the very thing that helps you not quit. When you wanna give up, it's community that keeps you grounded. It keeps you here. It keeps you from not giving up. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. Number three, and keys can come on up, is we need to quit giving power to our pain. We need to quit giving power to our pain. Number one is we gotta, you know, we gotta quit this whole I'm doing it alone stuff. You don't need to do it alone. Community is what helps you not quit, guys. It's what saves us. God gave us a lifeline. Here, I'm gonna give you people that are like-minded going after it. You ever think about the early church, 120 people sitting there like, what do we do now? Our leader's gone. God gave them community. Matthias, some of you say, I don't know if I can fit in. You know Matthias's qualifications to replace Judas as an apostle? He was there. That's what it says in the Bible. That's it. Like, no, like, I'm not gonna like, it doesn't say anything after that or before that. It says Matthias was there. Maybe God's trying to call you, but are you there? Because God's call is not a respecter of people. He's just waiting for those who are willing. And hey, I, I don't know what I have to offer, but I'm here. I can give you this. It's like the, Young boy with his lunch. I, I don't have much, but take what I got. This is for the community, right? It's for the people around us, right? This is what it's about, but we got to stop giving power to our pain. It says this in Galatians 6, and we're going to start in verse 7. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever you sow, you will reap. For one who sows of his own flesh will reap the flesh and reap corruption. Those who sow of the Spirit will reap spirit and reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then we have the opportunity to let us do good to everyone, especially those who are the household of faith. See, his audience would understand the law of reciprocity. And a lot of them were actually agricultural. So when he says, whatever you sow, you reap, they understood whatever seed I put in the ground is the harvest that I'm going to get. So sometimes we're in pain and we're actually stuck in this perpetual place of pain because what do we sow into more than anything? Our pain. We give it all of our thinking. We give it all of our time. We give it all of our money. We give it everything and we're just trying to get rid of it maybe just for a moment and we're just, we sow into the pain of this world. Now I'm not downgrading what you're going through. I know pain is real, but I also think that there's another option. In the book of James, it is people who were persecuted. They were going to prison. Their properties were being stolen. Their families were being ripped apart. In fact, they were facing even death because of what they believed. And James had the audacity as a pastor to say, hey, I want you to find widows, poor people, needy, uh, orphans, everyone. I want you to find the people who are needy. And I want you to go in and feed them, clothe them, provide for them. If that was my pastor... I'm just telling you what I would say. Like, I'm not, you guys are more spiritual, but I'm just saying. Do you know what I'm going through? They're trying to put me in prison. They're trying to take my house. They're trying to kill me, man. What do you mean go find people who are in need? I'm in need. 
He's giving them a principle. There's always someone you can pour into. So instead of giving power to your pain, give purpose to your pain. Say, I'm gonna give my pain purpose. I'm gonna sow it into somebody in my community. So then we become people who are looking around community. How can I serve you? How can I, hey, aren't you going through it? Yeah, man, but I'm here to serve you because I know you're going through something too. We're in this together. And we don't give power to our pain, we give purpose to it. We're not here playing a pity party, trying to say, well, I don't know if I feel it. God's saying, I know sometimes you don't, but go find someone else who's worse than you and say, come on, you can do it. Let's go. Let's go after God. Let's not give up. Let's not quit. Let's not quit on the purpose of God. Let's not quit on the community of God. Let's not quit quit on the call of God. Let's not quit on what God is doing in your life. And he's giving you people saying, come on, put purpose to your pain. I know you're in it. I know you feel it. I know it hurts. But can you find someone who's hurting too and say, hey, we got a savior, man. And I know the pain is just temporary. Do you understand where we're headed? It says there is no more pain in heaven. Every tear will be wiped away. No more grief, no more shame, no more sickness. And we are so consumed with what we feel right now that we're missing people and letting them go to a place where it's all pain for eternity. What we're doing matters more than just what happens today. What we're doing has matters into eternity. We need to feel the weight of this. Jesus did not die to make you feel better. He died to give you an eternal home that's with him forever. And guess what carries into heaven? Relationships, worship. This is what you'll do. I believe you'll recognize people in heaven and there's gonna be people in this room that when you reach out to them and said, hey, don't quit, they're like, because of you, I didn't quit. And now I'm standing before my heavenly father because of you. This is the community of God. This is why we are here. This is why we worship. This is why we lift up God. This is why we serve. This is why we sow. This is why it, because we're saying, no, I'm not giving up and neither are you. We're going to heaven. We're gonna bring people with us. This is what God has established. Come on, can we stand to our feet? Can we begin to lift them up today and God give